0: Jesus. Can't make it without you. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Yes, God, I love you, Jesus, and we love you more than anything. Good evening, saints. To Bishop and Lady Watts, I love you both. I am honored for this opportunity. To my church family, to our family that streams, out there with us. To the elders, the ministers, the diaconate, and to my family, I love each and every one of you. And I don't wanna forget Solomon and the sound crew. Thank you so much. So saints of the most high, it's an honor and a privilege to always stand behind this sacred desk one more time and deliver the message of the Lord. So sit back as we journey through the book of Haggai. So our scripture today will be coming from the book of Haggai, chapter 1, 1 through 11. And that's Haggai, chapter 1, 1 through 11. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel son of Sheatel, governor of Judah and Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat and the high priest. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but little harvest. You eat, but not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in the pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor, and when you bought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all you are busy building your own fine homes. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. My title sermon for today, If we're going to put a title on it is god a priority or an option is god a priority or an option let us pray oh holy and heaven father heavenly father lord i ask right now that you just show up, Lord God, that you just fall on the hearts of your people. Lord, let this word just touch their hearts. Let this word just be edified into their hearts. And when they walk away, they will be able to answer this question. Father, I ask right now that you hide me behind the cross, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, my rock and my redeemer. In your holy name I pray, amen. This evening as um, I want you to ponder this question, is God a priority or an option? Have you ever thought about this question? Is God a priority or an option? I pray with God's help that he opens our eyes so that by the time I finish, you can say with a boldness, yes, God is a priority. Every day we face the priority versus option. We do this with just about everything. We do this with our bills we have to pay. We do this with which child we're gonna pick up from school first. We do this with from what sports activities we're gonna take them to first. So I hope the priority, you know, for our mortgage and rent, are we gonna pay the car first? Are we gonna get gas first? Are we gonna get food first? I don't know, everything else after that might come secondary and hope the lights don't go off. Can't say I haven't done it myself. Now, you know, I know right now my car needs an oil change. (laughs) And and at this point, I don't think that's important. I think it would be important to some folks out there because you don't get your oil change, you know what happens to the engine with no oil. So we say, oh, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. And my mama would say, what if tomorrow never comes? Then what? Here's a story about a professor of philosophy teaching on priorities a professor of philosophy was holding he bought some he was holding some stones he bought with some items he put them on a table when the class began he took a large transparent empty jar and filled and started to fill it with rather massive stones then the professor asked his students is the jar full the class said yeah You can see it's full. Now the professor picked up the box of pebbles, poured them into the jar. He shook it so the pebbles filled to the open areas between the rocks. He asked once again, is the jar full? This class said, yes. This time the professor poured a bucket of sand into the jar and the sand filled up everything else. Now, the professor said, I want you to see that this jar is just like your life. The stones are the most important things, your main values, your family, health, mortality. The pebbles are the other things, your job, your house, and your car. The sand represents the small stuff. So if you put the sand into the jar first, there'll be no place left for the pebbles and the large stones. Therefore, pay most of your attention to the things that are the most important in life. Spend enough time with your family, take care of your health, and don't forget to develop spiritually. Be kind, honest, sensitive, helpful. These things are the things that really matter. They should be your priorities. The rest is just sand we deal with important things versus the least important things we put off those things that should be done for those things that don't need to be done so with a show of hands and those are my people on facebook wherever you're at how many of us make a to-do list how many of us complete that to-do list if you are the in the number of completing your daily list, I highly recommend you, commend you. I happen to not fall in that number, so don't judge me. I like to make lists, and I think I make too many lists for myself. But nevertheless, I make a list. I either use a method of numbering or one being the highest, from highest of number importance to the least important. Before for our list takers, it is empowering to cross off that accomplishment. It, it feels really good. My list was shrinking, and my big, most important items grew bigger. Yes, however, that is a bit embarrassing. I took a left turn somewhere. My list didn't decrease, it increased. My success rate on prioritizing my day wasn't going the way i wanted it to my intention was good but my outcome wasn't we often have made pledges yes i will set time aside to spend with my family and don't yes i will spend time on myself and don't yes i will spend time with the lord and don't yes i will set time set aside time in in prayer and don't many of us pledge these things to only do them to only not do them. And we find out yet each week our list of priorities is not a priority. But yet each week, seeking Christ becomes less and less important. Washing the car, cleaning the house, visiting friends, eating out, going shopping, watching sports become way more important than Christ. My brothers and sisters, we must prioritize the things of God. There was a a husband and and a wife. You know, they were attending a county fair. A man was giving rides on an old airplane. To ride the plane, it was $20 a couple. But the couple said that was a little bit too expensive for them. So the husband and wife negotiated with the man. We will pay you $20 for both of us. After all, we will both have a squeeze. We have to squeeze into that tiny little cockpit that was only built for one person. The pilot thought about it, hmm, but refused to lower the cost. But the pilot had a good idea. He said, I will make you a offer. Pay me the full price of $20 each. I'll take you up. And if you don't say a word during the flight, I'll give your money back. The couple looked at each other with some hesitation and looked back at the pilot and agreed to his terms. They got into the plane and they went up. The pilot performed all kind of flights, flight maneuvers. He did every trick, looping and whirling and flying upside down and and a whole lot more. Finally, the plane landed. The pilot said to the husband, congratulations, here's your money back. You didn't say a single word. The man replied, nope, but you you almost got me when my wife fell out. It seems his priorities were a little bit distorted. A priority is the importance you place on something. You know that thing that matters the most. An option is an act of choosing. So I ask you, in your life, is God a priority or an option? In the days of Noah and Lot, the people were no different Their top priorities were eating and drinking, buying and selling, marrying and caring for for their families. They had no time to listen to the messages of God's coming judgment. And so, no one was prepared when judgment fell. Evidently, nothing has changed over the centuries. For most Americans, God remains at the bottom of the priority list. And at the top are income, security, pleasure, family. Of course, for many Americans, God doesn't even make the list. But that doesn't grieve the Lord nearly as much as how how little he's valued by his own children. Priority versus option. Priority says I'll make time. Option says if I have the time. So I ask you, is God a priority or an option? So tonight we're going to look at the situation in the book of Haggai. You will see a lot of comparisons of people of today. Haggai was one of the minor prophets, so-called because of the length of the book that bears his name, not because he is less important than the other prophets. The only references to Haggai outside the book is, are in Ezra 5.1 and 6.14. Haggai is one of the last three of the Old Testament prophets. The other two being Zechariah and Malachi. The first prophet for the returned exiles preached so that people will rebuild the temple. Many years before Haggai, God called Abraham out of the land of idolaters. He made promises to him he would receive the land and descendants, he would be a blessing to the nations. He kept his promise to him by giving him Isaac, who was the father of Jacob. Jacob's sons became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. God had told Abraham that this would be the bondage, that his people would be in bondage for 400 years. And so they were. God brought them out by his mighty hand, cursing Egypt with plagues and parting the Red Sea so that people walked through on dry ground. Eventually, the people returned to the land. God gave them instructions for worship in the tabernacle, a movable tent. David desired to build a permanent house for the Lord's worship, a desire God did not grant to David. Instead, the construction of the temple occurred during David's sons, the reign of David's sons, Solomon. The temple was a sign of God's blessing and presence with the nation of Israel. It witnessed to his existence, his authority, his holiness, and mercy. The kingdom split after Solomon's reign, and eventually both parts were captive because of their rebellion and idolatry. The northern kingdom, called Israel, was taken over by the Syrians, and the southern kingdom, called Judah, by the Babylonians. In 586 BC, the temple was destroyed, and Judah was taken captive. But in 538 BC, Cyrus, ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire, defeated Babylon and took charge. He allowed conquered nations, including the Jews, to return to their homeland. He even decided to finance the reconstruction of the Jewish temple. In 536 B.C., only about 50,000 returned to the land. This was a sign of their faithfulness to God. Many of the other Jews had become comfortable in Babylon and prospered. They were not interested in the difficult journey to the once-conquered homeland to undertake the difficult job of rebuilding. Their way of life was more important to them than reinstituting the public worship. Yet, the faithful Jews made the journey and began the job. They laid down the foundations of the temple in 536 B.C., but they conquered opposition. And they put the work on hold. They started to focus on building up their own homes and neglected the house of the Lord. In fact, the rebuilding of the temple was on hold for 16 years, and that's why God sent his word by his prophet Haggai. So here I ask the question, review your life, ask yourself, is God a priority or an option? Tonight we're going to explore this question, but to help us, I will form the question this way. How do we make God a priority and not an option? So the first thing we need to do is to stop making excuses. We need to stop making excuses. In Haggai 1 verse 2, and this is a New King James Version, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, This time has not come, but the time that the Lord's house should be built. The space that had come to exist between God and his people is indicated by one of the rare uses in the Old Testament of the expression, this people to describe them, I am sure it was a mark of divine displeasure. Earlier, even under the most difficult conditions, the Lord had referred to Judah as Israel as my people. We remember that. Yet these people had extremely strained their relationship with him. The illustrative pronoun indicated that there was a gap a major dimensions existing between God and this people as a result of their sin that most certainly involved the lack of commitment to and participation in covenant worship. What was the excuse? The, the, The excuse was the time had not yet come to rebuild the temple, but somehow they found time to build their own homes their own businesses, and everything else. From this it delayed the work on the house of the Lord for 16 years, the house laid in ruin. 16 years, that's a good length of time. To have a grandson 16 years, that's a long time. The church was abandoned, exaltation was abandoned, edification was abandoned, evangelism was abandoned, effort was abandoned. And their, their thought process, their thought process, well, if God wanted us to rebuild the temple, he would have seen it. He would have seen to it that we, had, we were better off than we presently were and, and had more time and energy than we presently did. Now, how many of us talk like that? We do. How about that for gratitude? They were putting themselves first, busying themselves with their affairs and not God's god called them he called them on it and he requires them to put him first god also challenges us because we so often put ourselves first our work our houses our children everything is fine but god's work and house get little attention in our busy lives we learn here from haggai that this is the need to fulfill the call to serve God even when it's hard. However, as they saw it, things were, you know, today were pretty good. You know, they had a place to worship. They only did partial of it, so they had a place to worship. You know, they were content with what they had. And they were content with what they were doing. Wow. All of us have lives. And things sometimes don't go the way we hoped them to go. We all have times where where we are juggling to get things done and make ends meet. We all have a, a time to do this or a time to do that. We all have personal things to contend to, but ask yourself, when was the last time that you made God a priority instead of the option? When was the last time that you said, I'm going to put down this book and I'm going to go and spend time in God's book? When was the last time that you said that I'm going to go over here and I'm going to speak with the Lord today? Those of us that, that love those priority lists, is God at the top of your list? Is he even on the list? Ask yourself, when was the last time you just stole time away? Did you put God first? The charge to these people was to rebuild the church. To The people gave no effort. They gave none, no effort in rebuilding. They were free from their captors and had no regard for the house of God. Here today, we are free from the bondage of sin. With that alone, we need to just rejoice. Every second, it crosses our mind. But is God first in our life? It reminds me of a song from Mary Mary. Um, One of the sisters, they had sang, um, she has her own album out. The words of the song goes, you don't love God? What's wrong with you? Using these lyrics, I'm going to say, you don't put God first? What's wrong with you? Put it this way, how many of us can say that we are not the same person we were 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 10, 5, even yesterday? There's a song that says, when I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed, I have a testimony. And the reason why we have that testimony is because of God, glory to God, praise God. We praise him for deliverance. We praise him for setting us free and for giving us his son, Jesus. We just need to put him first. So, you know, during COVID, the church received a beautiful renovation. If you've been here, it looks very gorgeous in here. It's beautiful. Yeah, we feel all grown-like, all grown up. This is our home. This is our place to worship. This is the place where God resides. In the day of Haggai, he was, talking to, he, was, he was talking about the physical temple. But today, I believe the Lord is talking to us about our spiritual temple. He wants us to build our temple. So, saints, we need to remove all excuses. Yep, every single one of them. Get rid of them. The first entry, when we put on our list, should be God first. He wants to make—we want to make him first, and he wants to be first in our lives. Everything. And see what he does? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2 says this. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation— I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is a day of salvation. Isaiah 49.8 says, this is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. I will protect you and give you to the people as my covenant with them. Through you, I will reestablish the land of Israel and assign it to its own people again. Come on. Come on, somebody this is a time this this time is a right time for doing the work of God and right now the time is right for us as well we too must stop making excuses and be and begin to do what God called us to do And what we are called to do, we are called to get into ministry. We are called to come to church. We are called to pay our tithe. We are called to stay in his word. We are called to go out and spread the gospel. We must do the work of God. This is building the temple. This is called kingdom building. And guess what? You are the temple. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Do it when you don't feel like it. Do it when you feel like it. Just do it. The work will require things from us that are not easy. Stop making excuses and don't have time. Or, I don't have the money or i don't have the clothes just put god first no excuses no excuses however we must be obedient to god's commands the lord wants us to put him first build the kingdom of god and put him first should be our top priority in all we do the bible says seek first the kingdom of god above all else and he will give you everything you need, I ask you to ask yourself, am I making God a priority or an option? So, how do we make God a priority and not an option? I ask you that. We just said, first, we got to stop making excuses, and we need to prioritize the work of God. Prioritize the work of God. We're gonna to go to Haggai chapter one. We're gonna be looking at verses three through six. Then the Lord sent his sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses why my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says: look at what's happening to you. You have planted much harvest, but you have planted much but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but all but all still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were pulling them in pockets filled with holds. So we see here God noticed that they have not taken any steps to the building of the temple. I mean, I'm pretty sure he noticed it was was a big rubble and it wasn't pretty. So we see from these verses that the people had been putting off all their resources into building their own houses. They took their money that was supposed to go to the temple and put it in their own houses and just completely forgot, ignored the building of the temple Now excuse me for a minute, (laughs) because in my mind, I made an entire scene on how this conversation might have sounded like. It makes me laugh, but I will tell you why, (laughs) I will tell you why it makes me laugh in a moment. So picture this. The temple was in ruin for 16 years. We established that. Not one, not five, but a whole 16 years to simply The simple order was to rebuild it. That was the simple order, rebuild it. Everyone forgot. And at one point, they started it. But things got tough. Money was tight. The land was not in good condition. When they arrived, time marched on. They started to obtain wealth. Nothing wrong with that. They completely forgot about the direct command God gave them to rebuild the temple. Here they have a good, they're having a good old time, living and carrying on. Can you hear God? I could just hear his frustration right now. He's probably like, guy, hey, I just happen to be coming through. And I see your people over there, they doing their own stuff. Look, look, look at this. <laughs> <My, laughs> their houses are fine. Oh, and look, oh, oh, look at their homes. They're so f- nice homes. Oh, they got ceiling fans in there. Did I just see a pool? Oh, the lawns are, look at the lawns, they are so nice. they all green and healthy, the lawns are. Look at that, they're so nice. Oh my God, wait, wait, what? Is that, is, that, is that patio furniture? A grill master? Fire pits? Oh, and look, oh, look, look, look. They even have alarms on their homes. Oh, and look at my house. A complete, utter mess. What is going on? Why did they just stop? I mean, really, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Why did they not do what I just told them to do? Who does that? Now, the, the reason why this made me laugh, because I remember growing up, <laughs> and if we did not have the house in order, or there was one thing out of place, <laughs> a fork in the sink our room not clean, the bathroom tidy. Ooh, yo, my mama came through like a mighty rushing wind. And oh boy, look out. We, we would not hear the end of it. I, this, this is exactly her. Oh, I see y'all, y'all, y'all messing up my house. Oh, okay. I bet your friend's houses ain't messed up. Oh, 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 you can't keep my house clean? I bet your friend's houses are clean. Oh, look, look, look at this. My house is like a whole pigsty. I bet your friend's houses don't look like a pigsty. I bet your friend's houses are clean. I'm like, oh my God, y'all, you know, all only thing can do is sit there and listen and take it like a G. And in our mind, we're praying that prayer, you know, that youthful prayer, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the prayer that's in the presence of your family, in the presence of your, your parents, Lord, please make a hush. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Y'all, love my mama. May she rest in heaven. Love you, mom. <laughs> Heather, that, that's what that reminds me of. But back to Haggai. As you can see from the scripture we read in verse 3, the people were blessed. And, and how do we know they were blessed? Because God God reminded them their houses was luxurious. Some form says paneled, which means a very nice house. They lived very well. When they first got there years ago, they didn't have much. So you know it was no big deal to provide the resources and the time necessary to build the altar. They started to work on, you know, the temple is good. They got as far as constructing the altar, but after a little bit of success, you know, I guess some of them won the lottery, the people quit building the temple. They worked on their own houses. They used resources that was needed to build the temple for their personal gain. The need of the temple was the only most pressing, demanding thing they had to do. They deliberately did not carry out what the Lord told them to do. Why? It was not a priority. The state of the temple was dilapidated, remained as it had, like we said, for 16 years. A huge disgrace, an object of disrespect for all who passed by its burnt ruins. And the pagans mocked and jeered with glee over the remains of the place formerly known as the Lord of God of the universe. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like coming by here talking about, oh yeah, look at Shiloh. Because mm-hmm. them folks over there, yeah, they thought they were all that. Can you imagine that? That's, that's pretty much what took place here. To neglect God's house was equal to treason against him. For no matter what, the spoken level affirmation of trust in God, the plain fact that no one truly cared about what he said. The attitude eventually would cause God to remove his hand of blessing from, the, from their labors. This was the real point in bringing up their luxurious paneled home. He will remove his hand of blessing. Here is a question we ask. If times are hard, and if the times are hard for them back then, why, and we're not denying they weren't, why didn't you just ask God we need help? I want to say it was because it was not on their list. God was pushed back. He was not a priority. So we see in Hagar 1-4, this verse states that the temple still remained in ruins. But in the fifth verse, it says, now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. This verse declares, consider your ways. Consider, set your heart, give weight, give consideration, give thought to the things of God. It was time for God's people to evaluate their heart, their intentions. People put massive energies in beautifying their own homes, their own causes. However, the harder the people worked for themselves, the less they had. Because they ignored their spiritual lives. The same happens to us. If we we put God first, he will provide for our deepest needs. If we put him in any other place, our efforts become unfulfilling. Caring only for physical needs while ignoring your relationship with God eventually will lead to collapse. I came across this powerful quote, thought-provoking quote, and it says, My mistake was making you a priority when you only made me an option. Can you imagine, can you imagine God telling us, my mistake. I don't want to, I am not going to get in front of you, did all this, and my mistake, wow, and, and, and he removed himself from us? No, 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 that's a tough, that is so tough to swallow, it's, tough, it's kind of tough to read. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't, I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful Savior. Well done, thy good and faithful saint. Well done, Jeanette. Well done, all of y'all out there. That's what I want to hear him say, well done thy good and faithful Savior. So let us make every effort to make him a priority, a priority to the work of the God. We see here in verse 6, you have much and bring in little. You eat but don't have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Were they sowing more and harvesting less? Were they eating more and enjoying it less? Were they drinking more and enjoying it less? Were they earning more and accumulating less? The answer is yes to all four questions. But why, why is it yes? Because the people had not given God first place in their lives. The work was not fruitful nor productive. The material possessions did not satisfy while they concentrated on building and beautifying their own lives. God's blessing was withheld because they no longer put him in first place. Simply put, the principle is that no one cheats God without cheating himself at the same time. But the reverse of this says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. Definite connection between moral and spiritual condition of a, of a people and their material and economic condition. Many regard only secondary explanations for natural and economic events, but there is also a moral cause for the drought and abundance. This connect is seen from, all, from the fall of man that resulted in the curse of the ground at Eden. It is seen in the flood during Noah's days and through the drought of Elijah's, but the wickedness of the people, the earth continues to groan and travail, waiting for redemption at Christ's return. It was time for God's people to to revitalize their work, do some reordering of their priorities, and go for under God if revival was to come. The same is true today. Saints, God wasn't chastising them for having nice homes. He, He wanted to have nice homes, but he was chastising them for using all the resources for themselves while the church was still in need, the people in the community still in need. When they, became beautiful, when they became successful, they had money. They started to acquire. We see this today. As soon as we get some money, or we become a little bit successful, some people start to fade and forsaken building the kingdom. Prayer time in the morning, well, that no longer exists. You know, study time, well, I replaced that with internet shopping. You know, going to church, well, that starts to become infrequent. Tithing slows down, dang near to a halt. (laughs) We don't seek out to tell people about God. Why? Because we are not about God's business. We should be about his business. When we don't make God... For the things of God a priority, it affects our prosperity, productivity, peace, prevailing, protection, progress, potential, provision. If stuff controls you, he will have a problem with you. The house is about building the community and bringing people to God. Don't let the enemy trip you up. The Bible says, my word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path and it draws you forward. There is way too much to be done for anyone to do nothing. Make this a priority. Make God's work a priority. So I'm hoping by now we can start to answer the question, is God a priority in your life or is he an option? So let's continue to try to answer this question. How do we make God a priority and not an option? Just a little longer we must first stop making excuses. Then we must prioritize the work of God. And then we must prioritize personal motivation. Prioritize personal motivation. Haggai 1.7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, we just covered this, Consider your ways. It's been mentioned two times. So that must be that God is stressing something. Set your heart, give way, give consideration, give thought to the things of him. God's ways are to be the focus of our heart's desire because this is mentioned twice. Good Lord, it's mentioned two times. Haggai 1.8 says, go up, to as, go up to the mountains and bring wood to build the temple that I might take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. We see here three solutions. The first solution is said in this scripture, go up to the mountain. In scripture, when you saw someone going up to the mountain, they were going to meet God. They were going to go speak with God. Moses went up the mountain, Jesus went up the mountain. They went to speak with God. What does that mean for us today? Or how can we apply this for us today? It means we need to have an encounter with God. We need to go meet God. We need to go and talk to God. We need to go and have a relationship with God. We need to get out of our normal pattern of life. We need to spend time with God. We need to break that routine that we do every day. The second solution, bring wood. During that time, they would bring the tools necessary to rebuild the temple, which included wood. But today, the rebuild of the temple, we are to bring our spiritual wood. In other words, bring your gift, bring what you have to offer. We all have something to bring, and we all have something to offer. And the third solution, build the temple. <clears throat> to move the ministry forward, to make it everything it can be. When these solutions are fulfilled, watch what he says. He says, So that I might take pleasure. Oh, come on, somebody. The glory belongs to him. God is not impressed with our buildings. He's not impressed with none of this stuff. To worship the only true God. The temple was the place where people gathered. Temple was the place where they gave him praise. The temple was a place where they named and they glorified him. This is true motivation for any act of service. To the Lord of Hosts, the praise and the glory to be given to Him. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. He gets all the praise. Why? Because He deserves. It. He deserves it. The purpose of our obedience is to please and glorify the Lord. This whole section is the cost of our disobedience. When God's work had to be, He had to go begging for the, because it was a lack of interest for Him which affected the, the very ground itself. We come, and I just wanna to get to one last point, because I did not even cover this one when I read the scripture. Haggai 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke to the Lord's message, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord, Good news, the Lord is with us, hallelujah. There's a story about a, a wealthy man who had no need for pocket change, but he, he still took the time to bend over and pick up those pennies and other coins. Whenever the man found a coin, he would stop, look at it in his hand, and then after standing there quietly for a moment, he would then put the coin in his pocket and continue walking. One day, his friend noticed his unusual habit, and with concern in his voice, he, was, he wanted to know why he was doing that. So he asked him the question, man, what are you doing? <laughs> why do you always stop and have the need to stop for and pick up money when you have money? It's, it's just a gold coin. The man replied, when I find a coin, I look at the words, in God we trust. And I can hear God asking me, do you still trust me? Once I'm certain that I still trust God, more than money, I continue with my day. Come on, somebody. Come on. Let's praise God because some of us need to take the time to hear God ask us the same question. Do you still trust me? Am I still your first love? Come on. Do you still trust me? Am I your first love? He's asking you, do you still trust me? Am I your first love? Am I your priority? We need to prioritize some things. We need to step out because today is a day of salvation we need to to be with god trusting god god is in our endeavors he's with us every day god is with us in the hard times he's with us in the good times he is faithful he will be faithful you will be faithful for plenty and few he'll be faithful for plenty Put Him first. Make God the priority. Make God the priority and not the option. Serve God when it's hard. Make Him the priority not the option. Do it. Encourage Him. He will serve. You will serve Him. Make God the priority and not the option. Stop making excuses. Make God the priority and not the option. Prioritize our work. Make God the priority not the option. Prioritize our motivation. Make God the priority, and now, He says that he is with you always. So I ask you right now, church, is God a priority or an option? So I hope that we answer this question because as for me, he is our priority in my life. As for you, he should be a priority in your life. For us, for God we live and for God we shall die. Oh, hallelujah, let's give him praise, let's give him glory, let's give him all the honor for he deserves it, he deserves it, he deserves that, and then more. Thank you, hallelujah, hallelujah, the word of the Lord, hallelujah. So if any of you are ready to make God a priority and not an option, and, and if this word really resonated in your spirit, if it just nudged you to just be like, oh my gosh, I, 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 this is true, this isn't me, and you know that you have not made him a priority, know that he loves you, he loves you, because he made you. And if that is the case, we love you too. So we invite you to come and join Shiloh's family We invite you to come and come into this community, this this awesome community of people who love Jesus. The information is for you on the screen and we are already excited for you. Praise God, praise God. And let's not forget, please join us tomorrow for a community prayer at 1 p.m. so we can bombard the heavens with our petitions and prayers. Let's be please be cheerful. Let's let's all be a cheerful giver and give to our, our ministry, our agape ministry. This this ministry is one ministry that helps in the community. So there are three ways to give. We have Givelify, there's cash app, and you can even mail it in. Your your it would be blessed. It would be a blessing to the kingdom. So let us pray. That was exciting. That was exciting. That's exciting. God is not a priority. I mean, God is a priority and not an option. And we love you. Oh, holy and mighty God, Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for giving us this time that we can hear the reasons why we don't make you a priority. And now that we heard these reasons, Lord, we make you the number one. We make you the lover of our life. We make you the you are our apple in our eye. So Lord, I ask right now that as you, as you fall fresh on all, on all your people, those that heard me, those that probably will, will hear me in the future, Lord God, I ask right now that, that this word just opens their heart, rest on their heart, and have them struggle no more, and let you be the main thing for them. Lord God, we thank you right now, and we count it all done in your name. Go in peace and may the peace of God go with you and your families. And you know what Bishop says, Shalom.